What's happening, family? It is good to be back with you after I missed a week. But I promise you, I did not forget. I will never forget. I enjoy being able to have a place to soak in the events of a week and then have a place where I can then process to myself sometimes with a guest and make sense of it in my own mind and let it go. And so last week, that's exactly what happened. I was really fired up in terms of identity politics and some other things. And I was particularly disturbed by Tim Scott as he performed at Donald Trump's acceptance or victory speech in New Hampshire. And I cracked the mic open and let loose on him and Vivek and, and talked about how it's interesting that people get demonized for activating and advocating on behalf of pieces of their identity that are important. But yet at the same time, there are those who would enact legislation policy to prevent the full expression of those identities. Think about the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. Think about the legislation being passed in Florida to prevent or criminalize those who would say someone is racist or homophobic. So I, I let loose good 30 minutes. Well, you'll find out that the mic was not on properly. That's what I get for trying to take my show on the road and record outside of the comfy confines of my office. But that's okay, because I'm going to make it up to you this week and have a twofer. So this it will be the first episode of two for this week. It's funny how things turn out since I was all fired up on identity politics. MSNBC said, no, 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 we got you. We're going to do a special on black men in America, which fell right into my thinking. And of course, being a black man, I was particularly interested in what the presentation would be. I enjoy the work of the gentlemen who were going to be the main presenters in Tremaine Lee and Charles Coleman Jr. So I figured it would be a great podcast to watch the special and then respond. And I got two of my friends who I enjoy kicking around ideas with. I feel like every time I get into discussion with them, I become smarter. And Shea Roundtree my multi-hyphenate entertaining brother and family friend, family member, Kamal Akwar. So that's going to be the podcast. We went on for a good bit responding to the special. So no Dean's List, no honor roll this week. I'm just going to let it ride in its entirety. Hopefully you enjoy. And then you'll get another dose of taking notes later on and hopefully you enjoy that one as well so coming up after this break talking to my friends Shay Roundtree Kamalakwara after watching Black Men in America on MSNBC
Taking Notes with Dr. John Carroll is powered by Bixie Pots, makers of high-quality shea butter that keeps the body moisturized for the whole day. Visit BixiePots.com today. All right, so in the name of having chats with smart people, educated people, that's what I like to do. Uh, in the wake of watching the Black Men in America MSNBC special, which of course you know held special interest to me as a Black man, I figured what better way to respond to it and, and really dig into some of the things presented than to have a chat with my favorite holiday, dinner time, you know, what's going on in the world, sparring partners, actor, artist, multi-hyphenate, Shay Roundtree, and cousin Kamal Akwar, entrepreneur, businessman extraordinaire. Welcome, gentlemen. It, it was good to see both. Every, hope everything is well. Everything is well. I love that introduction. Too. I, I, I try my best. I try my best to, you know, pay, pay homage properly. So, Let's get into it, because I know once we get going, you know, the time will fly. I'm curious right off the bat, what stuck out for you that was was good about having a space, an hour-long space on MSNBC in primetime dedicated to talking about black men? Go ahead. Sorry, I see it. Get off. Go for it. No, I was, I was going to say that I, I think off the bat, the thing that I liked the best before we kind of get into the details was just, you know, sparking the conversation, right? Beginning to have a conversation where we're talking about the issues and the priorities that are facing black men in America and how that impacts um, what we're prioritizing and the decisions that we're making politically and how that's going to have an impact on the upcoming election. So I think it's a good conversation starter. So I really appreciated um, both of the hosts um, beginning to just, you know, putting a spotlight on on something that I think is very important as a black man in America myself to begin to have that conversation. I think so. I, I think that's just the first thing that jumped up for me. I definitely I agree. Um, I mean, they gave it a great lead in. They were like, showing clips and, you know, talking about it, having the host of the show on the show prior to, which I think did a lot for it. And um, it was good just to see um, just real conversations, um, people of different points of view, um, just talking, you know, not an argument, not, you know, being emotional, just like all trying to come together for the common good, which is um, I think we need to do more often. Yeah, I would agree with that and and particularly and amplify one of the things you said, Shay, the idea that you didn't just have like one vein, you know, of person on the show. Like it wasn't just the political analyst. It wasn't just the professoriate. It wasn't just, you know, uh, Mr. Cole, lawyer. So it wasn't, it was a mix, right? So I, I particularly appreciated the segment where uh, they're in the pool hall and it's, you know, Benita Butcher and Al Sharpton. Um, but you know, the King used to do that. Abernathy, you know, I grew up knowing the um, late Jose Williams, and they would talk about this stuff all the time, like, you know, early in the movement. And those guys, they would be out shooting pool, and, you know, they weren't necessarily waiting for people to come to the church, you know? You know, you got to meet people where they at. I think Jesus kind of, you know, meant something like that, you know? 
Absolutely. And I, I love that even in the conversation, you know, for example, like being a butcher, like, you know, listen, I'm not a politician. He was just giving his straight, you know, what he sees as, a, as he called himself a boots on the ground guy. And it wasn't like they were looking down their nose at him. You know, somebody like Al Sharpton who's been in movement right, right. forever. So, so I appreciated those, um, type of things. And so let me just go into, I took notes on like the different segments. I'm just, I'll go through those and then we can just kick around, you know, what was good, what wasn't, what we could have done more. So I think we mentioned the pool hall already. I have to mention, see if you guys caught this right in the beginning, the two hosts are walking and the question that they were posing to each other was like, when did you first notice, you know, and understand black malehood and brother walking about uh, it was Carl Lewis and Action Jackson. I was just like, wait, what? Judge has <laughs> said Carl Lewis. Yeah, I remember that applause. I was a little confused by that part. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really understand the question where it came in or how it fit into the grand scheme of things. And then it made me actually ask the question for myself. But it's still weird thing because I never thought about it. I never actually ever thought about it. You know, I looked around my neighborhood. I saw men. I saw black men. Like I, I don't know. That's such a weird. I didn't understand where they were trying to take that. I thought it was just one of those setups that, like, some you know producer was like, "Okay, so this is how we're going to get into the conversation." Like, I, I again, I just kept every time a different segment would come on, I'd be like, "Did they pitch this, or did some producer say like this is what we're going to do for TV?" Um, like, it felt a little that part right there felt. It just didn't feel like a natural question. And then when it was asked and it was answered, it was almost like you're trying to bring attention to something that I don't know, it was like message, like, you know, the lack of images in the black male. And I'm like, what are you, what was the aim of that? Which was, I didn't feel that was fully crafted or, you know, made me feel like that's what we was about to talk about. Yeah. I, I feel like obviously it's challenging to have such a broad conversation in like an hour, yeah. you know, that's segment. Cool. And so I think that there were parts of it where they were trying to like speak to potentially different audiences that might be tuning in. Right. And so one is kind of, you know, I think the beginning was like the setup for like, well, what does it mean to be a black man in America? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I don't know if that is, I'll speak for myself. Like, I don't know if that's a question that I ponder all, often. Like, what does it mean to be a black man in America? I'm more like, I'm, I know what it is to be a black man in America. I'm a black man in America. So it's more like, you know, trying to unpack what are, how, how can I be, you know, the best version of myself in, in this place that I find myself. So I think that thing was like, it's almost like, what's, what's the movie? Um, is it, um, you know, um, the movie where it was like, a woman was the first time you fell in love with hip hop. I feel like they're trying to have that right. kind of moment in yeah. the beginning, right, right, right. beginning of the brown sugar. Right. So like they're kind of trying to and, and it's a great right, market. Right. I mean, that's going to be great clips, you know, edits for, you know, yeah. clips. And string. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. great sound bite. You know what I'm saying? I can think pieces just on that piece right there, you know? Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, rest in peace to Carl Weathers, not Carl Weathers. Lewis. Oh, uh, still, yeah. still with us. And it, it, was, it was very ironic, the timing that, damn, brother King. I know, right? He just got laid in the ground. So, so that was that. And so the next piece, which I thought was interesting is they go to the Mecca HU Howard university, where I think, uh, brother Coleman went to school and they have at Howard, 
Now, talk about, again, putting things together for TV. They have the Republican or conservative perspective, that conversation on Howard's campus, which I thought, okay, they do that on purpose or that's just the way it worked out. But, you know, did you guys have any particular thoughts about the fact that they, A, were having the conservative conversation, which I think is necessary, and B, you know, where and how they were doing it? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I applaud that. I think that conversation needs to happen. I think where it happens, it needs to happen in those institutions more often. I mean, institutions of higher learning are supposed to be institutions of higher thought. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, intellectual conversation, opposing philosophy. That's where we, you know, we grow from. So I, I think it's important that, you know, we say we're not a monolith. I think that was even in the byline of, uh, of the intro. And we 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 got to you know fully act that way, you know what I'm saying. I feel like that part of the problem that we have in politics is we don't have enough black Republicans, you know, so we don't really get to affect our agenda, you know, really because we're we're beholden to one side. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I I loved I loved that they were having the conversation. You know, I didn't I didn't think as much about it, John, as, as you kind of pointed out, like where they were having the conversation, I was just really more focused on the fact that they were bringing Michael Steele. And I think the other gentleman's yeah. name is Jerome Smith. I can't, I can't yeah. remember his name. Yeah. Jerome yeah. Smith. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and really just talking about, you know, from their, from their perspective, like why do we see more minorities beginning to move towards, you know, the Republican party, especially black men. You know, even though the vast majority of black men still vote Democrat, but you've seen an increase shift from black men beginning to, you know, gravitate towards the, the, the Republican party. I enjoyed the conversation. I think that is something that, you know, we need to have more discussion around because as I've been getting older, John, we have these conversations, we have these conversations all the time, right? You know, I, 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 I think it's too simplistic the way people are beginning to think about their political affiliations. It's like almost like a football team that yeah. you support, right? Like I'm an Eagles fan, right? No, like it really should be more along the lines of what are the issues and then how do those issues, um, how, how are, the, how, how are the, the politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, how are they actually addressing the issues that are, are the priorities to whatever that voting block is and not really think about it like, you know, I'm supporting this person because they have a D next to their name or an R next to their name. So I, I, I like the, that they gave a forum for Jerome Smith to start talking about things like opportunity zones and what is the platform you know, that the Republican Party is trying to present. You know, I always feel like, I always feel like to the people that those things matter to already know those things. To the people that are not thinking about those things, I don't think they really care or they're going to look to hear anything someone like he would say. And I feel like that's the disconnect that we just have in our culture to where we we all have a, a uniform communication with one another like we did in the past. There's not a there's not a common struggle like Jim Crow or slavery, you know what I'm saying, that allow us all the different factions of, you know, what it is to be black in America to come together for one cause. And I, I think that's the problem. I mean, business leaders and blacks that are entrepreneurs and own businesses don't have the same desires and needs politically that blacks living in poverty have. There are a lot of blacks who don't like the jump democratic catering to criminal justice reform because they feel like I'm not a criminal, so why do I care about that? 
which when you think about a lot of people in poverty, which is a lot of people in a democratic base, have had some type of negative interaction with law enforcement. So that's good red meat as a political strategy. So the democratic is always going to uh, throw it out there. So you got a lot of people got a lot of different issues. And there's not one thing that's bringing it all together. And nobody wants to talk about how to talk about that. Like we got to do a lot of work, you know what I'm saying, in-house before we can even come up with political strategies. You know, you don't have a political strategy if you can't build coalitions and you don't have allies. And so that's part of the problem, in my opinion. Yeah, I want to stay on this a little longer because for me, and I, I feel like this is just my educator bent, like I wish they could have done like the whole first half on that conversation. Like, yeah, it was better than a series. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this was like, if, if they could have done almost like a whole episode just on that conversation, because, you know, comparatively, they spent probably the least amount of time, but I thought it was the most powerful in that, even in presenting kind of the conservative perspective, you had two disagreeing conservatives, right? There was this generational divide between what neocons versus the Tea Party and this. You know, all this, you know, um, QAnon generation that we, uh, Republicans, we got now. Like, so it was, yeah, it was very interesting to kind of, you know, see, you know, the way someone like Michael Steele thinks and his, you know, at the station that he's in in life as a, as a, I don't know if you call him former Republican at this point, but certainly someone who's not in agreement with the, the direction of the yeah. Republican Party versus Jerron Smith, who was literally in the White House. It's funny, I had never even heard of his name before. Uh, he was the highest ranking dude in Trump's cabinet. Like, I just remember. You know, it felt like, uh, it felt like, um, uh, it felt like he had his own. Like he right. But that's politics. Right. And that to me is some of the things that, that makes it so, you know, it's not, it's not something I would ever pursue because like, yeah, he, you could, you could tell, like, he wasn't trying to keep it all the way real that, you know, some of the but things. But you know what? That but that's why I call cap with a lot of stuff, man. Like even when Jeezy was like, you know, I don't trust politicians and I don't like this. It's like always these things are an excuse to not be involved. It's like, you know, like really being in the trap was easy. Like, you know, being in the music industry is easy. It's like, it's the same characters in every scenario. Absolutely. Why is it always with politics be ready to throw in the white flag and just be like, I don't want to deal with it. It's the same game. It literally is the same game. Well, I think that's so I but I feel like what it is is that when we just get wealthy or when you just get blacks in a certain income bracket, they ain't got the same fight in them no more. So it doesn't it's it's different. So it's like, yeah, I say something push it, but it's like they're not gonna be they're not gonna nail themselves false. I don't know. Yeah, and I felt like Jeezy did keep it real though in saying that like I'll vote for the mayor because I know, you know, I'm in greater proximity. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but when it gets zoomed out a little bit more, like you say, I don't know that I want to. But, but it has to really get zoomed out. When you think about the way this country is set up, we still are a very segregated country. And a lot of the interactions that most Black people have, especially in a predominantly Black city, and the most interactions that they have with politicians are usually Black politicians. And so they're not getting the things they want on a local level. That's usually due to some type of corruption, some type of other things that nobody ever wants to talk about. But then you spin it and make it seem like it's the bigger pitch and it's coming from the top down. It's really the other way. You know what I'm saying? School boards, poor running rooms. We want to talk about that. That's a local thing. You know what I'm saying? A lot of local members of the school board look like us. 
depending on where you live. Depending on where you live. What's that? You know? No, and you don't get I to. Go ahead, come off. No, I, I think you, you both are hitting on, on some important, like, dimensions. I, I think, you know, Shay, one of the things that you said that I think is, is just, it's just the, the reality, which is like, when we start getting into these conversations, they're complicated, right? Yeah, and there are yeah. many, they're, sometimes they're like conflicting dimensions, right? And so in order to be able to have a position, it actually takes some work to try to understand what's going on and then how that aligns to what you want to see happen. But we live in a society where people want things that are kind of like, Oversim they want yeah. oversimplification and they want quick resolution and those things just don't happen when you have big problems so we kind of talked about and i'm sure we'll talk about this more like they were mentioning like what are the priorities you know for black people and they talked about you know it's safety and police brutality but those things sometimes are at odds with each other because like you know if you if you look at things where what happened through COVID and even till now, when you saw this like backlash against the police, because police brutality is an issue. Obviously, it's an issue that impacts Black people. Obviously, it's going to be a focal point. But then the tension is that as you start having less policing and you start having, you know, recruitment issues within police forces, you start seeing a rise in crime. And then you see mm -hmm. people now saying, nah, they feel unsafe, right? But mm -hmm. these things are kind of tied together, but they're, it, it, it's a complicated situation, but then we have like, you know, very simplistic things that will say like, well, you know, we, we want, you know, somebody to be tough on crime. We want to defund the police. And it's like, they're just very complicated things and people don't want to spend the time. Oh, we are the culture. Yeah. But we also, as a culture, have like made it like not cool to be a police officer. I mean, that's part of the problem. So you're not going to find many young men in middle school, high school, be like, yeah, man, I graduate. You know, I want to be a cop. That's, no. I mean, you know, I just don't. And so how are we going to get community police? How are we going to have, mm. you know, our own protection that looks like those people that grow up, if we keep doing that, it's like you, I, I, I don't know. Like, no, I feel like nobody wants to have those conversations. Like, I don't know if we can continue to not have balance in what we deem is a consistent standard, regardless of income, regardless of way of life. I feel like that's what's missing with, um, with us as a community that we, we don't have a, a consistent, like I said, post young pro, what's the common thing that brings everybody together? Right. Right. I'm curious, given that, what you thought, a lot of black businessmen voted for Kemp in against ACA. I'm just saying he was very, he was a very good friend of businesses in Atlanta. Well, how much, if you gonna take that example, how much of that was wrapped up talking about complexity and, you know, misogyny. Yeah. Or, but what I'm saying is, Oh, but yeah, but again, what I'm saying is people vote their own agendas at the end of the day. And we, the problem that we have now is that a lot of the people that have the resources to help get a lot of things that we've done as a community don't have the same motivations like they had a generation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I love it now. So you ain't, you ain't, you ain't risking your business to get voting rights because you can vote now. You know what I'm saying? It's a difference. Well, you know what I'm I mean, very nuanced now. In some of those places, voting is under threat, though. If you don't yeah, pay attention, yeah. you know, yeah. we don't pay attention to how. But then we get into states' price, so we're going to see what happens with this um, 
SCOTUS decision with uh, Colorado and stuff. <laughs> so the state's rights still going to come into play or is it going to be you know? Well, I was going to tee up, you know, given that you're talking about agendas and leaders, what did you think of, you know, Hakeem Jeffries in his interview? Because here was somebody who, you know, literally makes the rise from, you know, local, goes to the state house, and now he's, you know, minority leader. So, you know, is there hope in someone like him? I would say Jamal Bowman's in a similar mode and these kind of younger yeah. dudes who, who are able to really speak to wide masses and play the politics game. Yeah, oh, definitely. You always got to believe the hope for one man. If you don't have hope, it's like, what's the point of that? Like, you know, it's, it's tough living without hope, you know what I'm saying? But it's good to see an actualization. I mean, we still living in a time period. My grandmother is 97 years old. So every time, you know, a team pop up on TV, every time a comic pop up on the TV, that's a different feeling for her. You know what I'm saying? It's a different reality of what can be accomplished. So I, I won't be selfish in feeling like, you know, say that, you know, because we haven't got everything, but we, we still got all these issues that we aren't making strides. But I do believe he's someone that is a, is a bright future, has a bright future in the Democratic Party and, um, and speaks to a lot of the young people and, uh, you know, that new generation of politicians. And um, I think it was a great choice. But thanks to Bert. I, I I think he he he's super impressive and and I agree and I, and I think that but but one of the one of the I don't want to say problems but one of the, the the downsides of this is you know I was I remember I can't remember where I was but after Hillary Clinton had lost that election I was fortunate enough to be somewhere where she was speaking and she made a statement that always just stuck with me and she said like Democrats fall in love with people and Republicans fall in love with causes. And and when and it that really resonated with from me when I was watching this this show because it was like when when people would be talking about you know what was motivating them from the perspective of like the black male voter it really was tied to like personality like Jeezy was talking about Obama and you know how my president was black and the pride he felt of just looking at this black family and when we're talking about Hakeem Jeffries it was like you know they really highlighted he, where he came from but and those things are important but I, I think. You know, more important than that, or just as important than that, is like, what exactly are we talking about that these people, what do they stand for for us? What are we trying to get accomplished? And sometimes that gets lost because it's like, you know, he talked about the messaging problem, right? There, there's a lot of things that Biden has done, right, in his, in his administration that if Barack Obama had done or somebody who was, you know, maybe, you know, kind of resonated with people a little bit more, maybe we would, we would quote unquote, feel it more. But now it's just like it's like it doesn't matter because we're more connected to the personality than the actuality of what is actually happening they talked a lot about disillusionment but they didn't give a lot of details around what was disillusioning us like what was making us feel disillusioned what did we want and then how do we know that we're we're moving towards those things right so i felt like that was kind of one of the i think that's one of the things that's plaguing us in the conversation that we're having it's like what are we trying to get accomplished and then how are we measuring that we're accomplishing those things so let me let me follow up on that real quick. Do you feel like if, if Obama had done, or even let's say let's say it was it was Hakeem Jeffries had done student debt relief as president, do you think that would resonate more with our like there'll be people who be like oh he gave us that debt relief you know I I I think so you know Biden 
has instituted the most diverse cabinet in the history of the United States. I feel like if Obama had done that, people would be like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, but the fact that yeah. Biden is doing it doesn't even, it doesn't even register. Nobody even cares. You know, like nobody talks about when it. When I was young, my mom used to always say it's not the, it's not the messengers, the message. But now that I'm older and wild, I tell my mom she was wrong. It's definitely the message, not the message. <laughs> And it really is, you know. You know, you ask. That's why I'm always perplexed even with Democratic primaries because I'm like, the platform is near apparent. The platform is near apparent. It's always personality driven. Yeah. And we always end up not getting the things we need because we don't get the seats we need because unfortunately, the agenda should be paramount. You know. You know, and I, I mean. John, not to, to deviate, but it's kind of like, you know, at some point we, you know, obviously say you call this out, right? You know, being in a privileged position. So sometimes what is my priority might be skewed, right? But I think as collectively, one of the things that is hard to, for me to get a, a real good grasp on is like, again, like I'm saying, you talk about, you know, black people are disillusioned. But if I was to ask, like, what is the thing that we want? What are our three, what are the priorities? What is the thing we're trying to get accomplished? I think that's like missing from the conversation. Like, what is it? What is that's it? That's on. We don't have that anymore. We don't have the, the, the big meat things anymore. We don't have, you know, I want to eat wherever I want to eat. I want to go where I want to go. I want to, you know what I'm saying? And like, we, police brutality is probably it because it doesn't matter your income level. You know what I'm saying? You know, it doesn't matter where you live, matter your zip code, you know, you you can fall victim to that. So I know that's why that's a hot button issue. But that common denominator, like, you know, I know a lot of affluent, you know, African Americans, their kids go to great schools, so they not checking, you know what I'm saying, what's happening in downtown and you know, like they don't they don't they ain't got a dog in that fight. And they gotta worry about getting this presentation together for this big meeting next week. And, you know, you show me a candidate on TVQ, I vote for him, man. He sounds good, but outside of that, they don't, they, they are disconnected. We don't have a force. We don't have a coalition within a coalition. We don't have a, a community within a community that, that, that brings the community together. It's a whole lot that we got to do. We want to, like, really get into, like, those high-level political strategies because, you see, a lot of groups do. You know what I'm saying? They, you don't have to see, you know, of um, uh, uh, them out marching in the streets because they have these organizations that know the temperature of everybody and they go speak to them. They use their collective resources. They use their debt, all of those things, which again, goes again into this whole political thing about why we don't see these candidates after election time because a lot of times to get into those seats costs a lot of money. And a lot of times the time they spend in those seats, they got to get done with a lot of the people that pays for them to be in those positions ask for. And Unfortunately, by the time the next election comes, we get what's left. We got to put resources behind these people. You know what I'm saying? You owe us, not just in votes, but we, we make sure your family ain't, your whole staff ain't, your, your commercials, you know, that, that, that super pack. You know, like, where's all of that at? Where's that power at? Like, this is really the, the political system in America, you know? This is really what it is, you know? Congress told that. That's where the money is, whoever the money is. They, that's what they got to answer to first. Then they get to the voters. That's unfortunately, but that's the way it is. But that's where, again, it's interesting that when you look at Biden, 
right? And and the messaging, he did deliver on some things that people demanded, right? In terms of, like Kamal said, diverse cabinet, black female VP, black female Supreme Court justice, right? So, you know, where does but for the everyday but for the everyday person that's just saying in the hood, that doesn't affect their life. Fair. So it doesn't it's not they don't feel that. They see it, but they don't feel like they'll ever be in those positions anyway. That's the disconnect within our community. But but yeah, yeah I mean I was, I was trying to look I was trying to look her up. Um I couldn't find her, but even in that in the show they talked about I think her name was Carr, right? Has has prosecuted more police officers oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. brutality than anybody. Yeah. anybody. So if that is if again, kind of coming down to the message, you know, how are we actually been tracking that we're getting the things that we want. If that if police brutality is this issue that is, you know, high priority for, for black men, and then you have a president that you've elected and put somebody in in the position of power who's doing something about it more so than anybody else before, then he should get some credit for that, right? Yeah. Cause that that's too that. Yeah. yeah. But then it's, I, Great. It's just a weird thing, but I think a lot of a lot of a lot of us, especially black men, I know especially in barbershop talk, a lot more conservative than we want to admit publicly. And you know, a lot of the issues they have, especially that pushes them to Trump, and the reason why some of that messaging they don't really care about is because one, they still don't see the face of government as an old white man. Two, they don't really like, like even Al Sharpton kind of alluded to it. They don't really like all the black girl magic. They're not with all the whole feminist agenda, the whole gay agenda. So it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an anti, you know what I'm saying, social war. Like, I'm going to go to the other side because this is my way of rebelling about the things that I, I can control that I feel like affect me in my personal life. And no, it's a, that's a hard conversation to have. Yeah, so let me make sure we get the proper shout out, Kristen Clark, you know, so we, we got that civil rights attorney in the Biden administration. So we got that. And yeah, let me, let's get into that, you know, because I do think that that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. The idea of, you know, black male feelings of masculinity and then how that, you know, plays out in the Democratic Party, right? Because there was definitely a lot of celebration in this last administration about the power of black women in propping up you know, the, the turnout, the elect, all of that. And so how do you even begin to address that when you still also need, you need the whole, you know, you need the whole of the diaspora. So to sit there and now segment it out in the messaging, how do you even begin to address that? I would be a rich man if I could figure out Wait, and at the same time, at the same time, as they mentioned, right, because they didn't even get into it, and I think, like, I don't even know if you could do that on MSNBC, to begin to address the conversations around gender and Black, you know, maleness that exist, right? Because they didn't feature no LGBTQ members in the whole, or at least not out, in the whole thing, right? So that wasn't even a piece of the conversation, but we know it exists. Right. So he was each other. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I just feel like I just feel like the groundwork was gotta start in the homes and at the local level, man. 
we gotta just start doing things where we incorporate politics back into our everyday living. Mm-hmm. You know, like like they were when when I was younger, man, it was always a rally, it was always a meeting about whether it was at church, whether it was at school, whether it was at a community center. I just remember those types of things where, you know, even if it was on the radio, like people just was involved and knew what was going on. And, you know, people talked about things. It wasn't you shot away from political and conversations because of whatever. I think, you know, that's how you get divided. And because we don't do that, man, we don't have, we're not on one accord, you know? It's easy to take advantage of people that way, which I think is easy. I think, you know, they keep us ignorance of how the government operates, um, resources that are available at our disposal, um, ways that we can get things done on purpose, you know? Kamal, I thought of you when uh, Attorney Crump was saying the biggest thing is economic freedom. Like, I, I closed my eyes and could have envisioned you saying something like that, you know, partly because of the Nigerian roots, partly just because, you know, we've talked and had these discussions for so long. Did that did that resonate with you? Do you agree with that? Am I am I off target with you? I I think it it really does resonate, right? It really does resonate with me. I I think tied to that was the thing that they said, which I think is again as I'm trying to as I'm trying to define for myself what are these key pro you know what are these the things that I want to see accomplished. What am I voting for? Is when they said it is easier to empower a child than to fix a broken man or something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, w- yes, economic empowerment, but where are we going to start, right? And I, and, I, and I think a lot of times where my mind is beginning to go is like, you know, we really, I think maybe the emphasis needs to be on, on you know, the, the starting line, right, for Black people and for young Black people and education and access to things like that, right? Um, maybe that's where the emphasis and my focus should be when I'm thinking about what I'm trying to get accomplished to create that economic empowerment. Um, I, I, I think that, again, you know, I don't want to keep on sounding like a broken record, but, you know, if you think about things like, you know, the CHIPS Act, mm-hmm. right, that's been passed. And, and one of the things that's, that's part of that is trying to, pa- to provide, you know, high-speed internet or, you know, make, make it broadly accessible. And then to the thing that you said, Shay, I think, I think you're right that there are people who are playing on our ignorance and trying to keep us ignorant, but there's access to so much information now, right? Like there's- And that's why, that's why I just wanted to give people excuse me a little and, and that's what makes it, it difficult to come up with excuses out there. Cause I always say, man, in this age, you can go find wherever it is you're looking. So if you don't, you don't, you can't find it. I mean, you're really not looking today. You know, yeah. you want to learn how to do something. You can go to YouTube and it's a video on almost anything you want to know because we don't ever find the excuses for things we want to do. You know, you want to learn how to like, you know, cut cocaine, you know, go do it. You've never heard a dope boy like, man, how do you learn how to cut coke? Like, I don't. <laughs> Like, y'all, that's so hard to figure out no matter what you, like you learn how to do all you how to build you learn how, people learn how to do the things they want to do so i and, and this information age is is fingertip you can get on twitter you can find you can find whatever information is what you want let me you know go ahead come on 
no, no the, fi- the final point I want to make on that on bot information. So me and me and my business partner, we have this conversation all the time. And and I think, you know, John, you had asked something before we watch this, like, what is something that I think was missing? And I, I don't want to be jumping all around, but no, this I think is, one of the, yeah, perfect. I, I think one of the things that is problematic about the way that we, we have conversations, and this is something that's just a luxury from having worked in corporate America, is like we we don't have data-driven conversations, right? Like we don't, we have these conversations that are like, they're thematic and they're like based off of how you feel and like people feel like this, but like what's actually happening, right? If prior to this, I was looking at like the black un- the unemployment rate for black men in America. It's been, it's been falling since, you know, 2010, right? It was 19.3% in 2010. Now at a historical low of 4.6%. Now that doesn't mean that all of our problems are solved, but they're things that are, pointing to the fact that there are things that we're doing that are working that we want to double down on. I think we need to understand what are those things that are working and why, and how do we measure that they're working and do more of that, and then also measure the things that aren't working and then try to address problems with that. But the whole conversation, just like people are disillusioned, people, you know, there's this wealth gap, which is true, right? There's a gap in home ownership. There's criminal, you know, there's a huge disparity in, in incarceration. But I think kind of understanding what some of the elements are and exactly how, using data to have these conversations, I think would be more productive for us than if we just had these conversations based on how we feel or experientially. What is about what you do with the data? Though? I think people know the data. I mean, the, the stats are available, but nobody, what do you do with the information? Do we react upon it? Do we... Have another million man march. Like I, that's 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 the point. I don't I don't think it's a lack of access to the information. Of people aware of the data of the problem. I think people just like to deal with the emotion because then they're not on the hook to solving those problems. You know, we can agree to disagree when we stay in an emotional place, but you can't agree to disagree when you're talking about numbers. <laughs> it's a little bit more difficult to be like, well, you know, I feel that case system ain't really more black kids are reading now than they did 20 years ago. This is a different argument. So a lot of times that's where it comes from, but it's just, what do we do with the information? What is the strategy? What is the plan? How do we mobilize more voters? How do we mobilize more people, young people being involved in local government? How do we do that? How do we do that? It's a disservice when their heroes get on TV and be like, I don't trust politicians. Like, you don't say you don't trust dope boys. You don't say you don't trust record executives. Like, that's such crap. Like, that's like, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Now you already, that's, those people already like, you know what? He right. I don't even care about that. And we end up in the same boat. I never get the opposite from that way. I never get the opposite from that way. I got, I got, I got friends that are Republicans. I, they lose, they don't get what they want. I, it's always, we go back to the blind board, we're gonna figure out how we're gonna get so-and-so out of office. We're gonna find, we're gonna dig up something, we're gonna come up with a new, it's never, we're not gonna be participating system. Amen to that. I, I marvel at the commitment, and I think we've talked about this in our, in our dinner discussions. I marvel at the commitment that the, the conservative movement had that they were gonna get Roe v. Wade overturned by Hook <laughs> We talk about fifty years, and they were like, "We are that little saying, man. Do this." They wanted them. They wanted those judges. Yeah, man. Listen, and to Kamal's point, they didn't care who they had to put in office to make it happen because you know. I'm sure we know people who know who who have a disdain for the former president, but know that 
he was going to do what he was told in terms of delivering those judges, and and he did. So I I I wholeheartedly agree with your point on the commitment, Shay. So to that end, let's end here because I've taken up enough of your time, and I want to put a bow on it. You know, if you had a wand to work with young people, you know, and point them in a direction, what would be the direction that you would point them in? Come on, you go first, and then Shay. I think the direction that I would point young people, I don't know if this is what, what the question that you're asking, but I think the thing that there, there are two things that have been very helpful for me as I've been trying to figure out, you know, how I look at the world. Right. I think the first is, which is, we're just talking about this. I, I think, I think trying to actively work on who you are. And I think it really boils down to five dimensions, right? This is the way that I see the world. So I'm going to give you kind of like my worldview. I think people are made up of their thoughts, their habits, their priorities, their values and principles, and then the frameworks with which they use to interpret things. And I think that it's very important for people to proactively work on these things. I think people, you know, they have these dimensions to themselves, but they just, they just happen in, you know, you know, happenstance, they don't actively work on those things. So I think that would be the first advice. Like, look at those five dimensions. And then it is, it is to be the best version of yourself. So you have, you have to be constantly working to improve all five of those dimensions. And then I would say the other thing is like really trying to use data, right. And numbers to understand what is going on in the world. That is how the world communicates. That's how the most successful people in the world communicate with each other. They don't have conversations about feelings. They have conversations about what they think. They use data to understand what is going on, and they use data to inform decisions. So I think I would I would I would encourage young people to really have a data driven conversation and data driven approach to thinking about what they want in the world and how the world works. Love it. I love how it, it, it talks about people's humanity before anything else. Shay. I would just tell young people and get involved, man, get involved in communities, get involved, um, you know, in school, like look at your life, figure out what it is you want to do in your life, man, you know, work towards those goals and, and it's, it's, it's up to you. It's like, you know, Michael Jackson had that song, man, in the mirror, like, you know, everything, you know. If you want a better uh, um, state, you got to have better cities. You want better cities, you got to have, you know, better uh, towns. You want better towns, you got to have better communities, better communities, better neighborhoods. Better neighborhoods, better homes. Everything trickles out. And it's, um, and it's like, man, just love and, 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 and have an expansive viewpoint of the world. Just don't accept one perspective, you know, just, just know that there's multiple ways of looking at things and don't feel like they're bound and have some type of allegiance to something because of economic background, socioeconomic background, whatever, that they can seek knowledge and, you know, that knowledge informs the different perspectives. Feel free to allow it to change your life and go forward, upward and on, on and up. Gentlemen, I appreciate your time. It's always uh, enriching for me. I feel smarter um, after having talked to you both and had, and kicking things around. So I appreciate your time and sharing that on, on my little platform today. So Shay, come on, we'll get together soon. Thanks, man.
really enjoy being able to kick around and respond in real time to the special with my brothers, Shay and Kamal. I look forward to doing that again in the future because it is, as you grow older, important to see that there are so many perspectives within a group and to put one over another or act like one is more important than the other, particularly when it comes to politics, is damaging. So appreciated the time to have such a discussion. Like I said, we're going to do another episode coming out later today. But until that one, see you next time on Taking Notes. The views expressed by John Carroll and his guests in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties. Mm -hmm.